that one conversation, which seemed small at the time, is what eliminated the fear that was holding me back. Because I said, well, what am I actually scared of here? Right? What, I'm, I'm scared that if I start a company, it won't succeed. Well, who cares? I'll go get a job being somebody else's internet specialist or whatever. I'm Brian Kramer. I believe that one of the most valuable gifts you can give yourself is making smaller shifts. It's the small shifts in our lives that can create epic outcomes. Your journey to be more deeply connected into the life you truly deserve starts right now. So welcome to Humanly Possible, a podcast focused on small shifts that can make epic differences in our lives and at work. I'll introduce our guest, who is someone I admire and am honored to have on the show. I've had him on various other shows. I seem to love starting shows, and but this one's my favorite because I love looking at how small shifts can create all kinds of change in our lives and at work. I'm going to talk about him like he's not here. His name's Jay Bear. He helps businesses clone their customers. Uh, he's a seventh-generation entrepreneur, has written six best-selling books, and has founded five multi-million-dollar companies. He's a president of Convince & Convert, a consulting firm that works with the world's most iconic brands like United Nations, 3M, and Hilton. Uh, and he works with them to gain and keep more customers. A recent inductee into the Professional Speaking Hall of Fame, an incredible uh, just like that's the mecca of speaking for those of you who are uh, wondering what that is, if you don't know already. And he's also an avid tequila collector. We could probably make a whole podcast on just that because so am I, um, and a certified barbecue judge. Jay, what's left? Okay, <laughs> I'm just I'm just getting started, my friend. Thank you so much for having me. Congratulations on another spectacular show. It's always nice to be with you, my friend. Oh, thanks. Thanks so much. I'm, I'm going to jump right into it. I'd love to know what's one thing that felt small at the time in your life. We just read off some incredible things that you've done. What's one small thing that felt small at the time, but ended up being such a big shift for you? I don't think I ever told you the story, Brian. Um, so as you mentioned in my introduction, I'm a seventh generation entrepreneur. My son is now an eighth generation entrepreneur. And and so there wasn't really ever a time that I can remember where my dad sat me down and said, you know, you should kind of run your own business. It was just sort of in the air that I breathed, right? It was like osmosis. And I never went down that road, not for a while. I was fortunate enough to get some pretty good jobs early in my career, all the way back to when I was like 17, 18 years old, such that when I got out of college, um, they were actually paying me pretty well to do some some decent work that required some real thinking. And I still always wanted to start up my own company and do my own thing. It was sort of, you know, the entrepreneur spirit is is strong in me, but I was scared. Um, and, you know, without too many more years passing, I had a, a young child at home and I was like, you know, I do still want to start my own thing, but I'm scared to do that because what if I start something and it fails and now I've got a baby and, you know, they're paying me pretty good to not take that kind of risk. So why bother? Well, my my best friend since I was in second grade, such good friends. Uh, he actually married my wife's sister, so my best friend became my brother in law, and I totally recommend that. If you can pull pull that off, um, you should do that. It makes Thanksgiving far more awesome. 
we were 30 years old at this time. Yeah, 30 years old. Um, and he called me and he said, Jay, I just got back from the doctor uh, and they say I have brain cancer. And I walked in the next day and I quit, which I didn't think was a big thing because I didn't like that job much anyway. But as it turned out, I never worked another day in my whole life for anybody else. And my best friend and brother-in-law, Al, we eventually lost him, unfortunately. Um, but that one conversation, which seemed small at the time, is what eliminated the fear that was holding me back. Because I said, well, what am I actually scared of here? Right? What, I'm, I'm scared that if I start a company, it won't succeed. Well, who cares? I'll go get a job being somebody else's internet specialist or whatever. Um, I, I realized that my actual risk and what I was scared of was was not really that big of a deal. Um, certainly not in comparison to what he was going through. So, at the time, you know, obviously his diagnosis seemed like a big deal, but me walking in and quitting didn't seem like a big deal. Uh, and now, um, uh, you know, many many years later, it certainly has turned out to be a big deal. Yeah, I'd say that was a uh, uh, definitely an, an outcome that sets you on your trajectory and you can point back at it. I don't know if you've seen that um, show sliding or the movie sliding doors, you know, right. two, two different yeah. options that we have. And, For sure. You know, one, one door leads to one thing and the other leads to another. Can you remember along the way, some other shifts that created um, sh shifts in your life and how you approach them, but maybe they were insurmountable. They were, they were Kilimanjaros or, or mountains. Mm -hmm. And you're like, oh my God, how am I going to do this? I mean, it's funny. We have this conversation now in the pandemic because when I started this company, Convince and Convert, which I founded in 2008, uh, one of the things I, I decided as sort of a core principle was that we were always going to be virtual. Right? I said, we're, we're gonna, I'm going to go get the best people. I don't care where they live. And we're going to do strategy work, so we don't need to be together as much. And that seemed like a great plan on paper. But it was not insurmountable, as it turns out, because here we are. But it was really hard, right? In, in 2008, 2009, 2010, 2011, convincing clients that, that it was not a sign of sketchiness, frankly, to not have an actual office. And 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 they would say, so wait a second, you're not even going to come see us when you present your findings? Like, nope. You know, and 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 to get them to interact with us on what was then quite early days video conferencing and things like that, it it was really challenging. Um it didn't turn out to be insurmountable, but it was really hard. And so now to see everybody working from home and sort of struggling with the things that that we struggled with, um, you know, a dozen years ago is, is, is weird to me. I'm like, Oh, see, we were right all along. <laughs> we were vindicated by the pandemic. <laughs> so it was, uh, it was really hard, right? Um, because people just didn't, didn't believe that you could do good work in that environment. And now, you know, the government and the biggest companies in the world are like, yeah, we don't really need an office. It's fine. I'm like, see, it's just like the whole world said, hold my beer. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Every time you think, uh, I always tell people, like, I asked somebody asked me the other day on a podcast, like, what, what's your, what's your sort of one, one sentence for this year? I said, well, I've learned this year that to never say 
anything is impossible, right? Because, because you know, who knows? Uh, never rule anything out at this point is my new motto. You know, it's, that's awesome that you saw that uh, early on on the virtual level. And I know that there was a lot that had to go into it because you're right. It wasn't, um, you know, wasn't looked at as behavior that uh, resonated as uh, a high-performing, well-functioning income stream uh, business. And now you look at uh, people, I think we were talking about this off, off the podcast, about people with young kids working from home trying to figure out, how do I do this? Um, what were the shifts that you had to make to make that even possible back then? Yeah, you know what's interesting, Brian, is is when I think about those days, the the shifts weren't so much about how we handled our stuff internally, right, as a team. It was more about changing the mindset of clients, right? Because especially our clients are typically bigger companies and, and they're so conditioned to like, well, let's get in a conference room, reserve a conference room. Let's make sure we've got a conference room booked, right? I mean, that's just sort of like the coin of the realm in those organizations. And for us to say, nah, it's cool. We'll just open a laptop. Like it took a long time to, to teach them. And, and frankly, you know, we would just, what, what I learned early was to make it a point of emphasis even in like the first conversation. So before we even wrote a proposal, I would say, look, I just want to make sure you understand something. One of the ways that we're different is, and go through this whole spiel of being all virtual and the advantages there and things like that. And, and, and a lot of times they were very doubtful of that. And then we would, we would do a couple of meetings and they would realize that it was fine. And then they sort of grew more confident and, and the objections faded away over time. Similarly on our own team, and this is true even now, um, because while we have been virtual since the beginning, we also don't, we don't get together very much. You may know this story, Brian, our team only meets once a year, um, period. And, and in my favorite place in the world, Puerto Vallarta, Mexico is typically where we meet this year. We're going to be meeting on zoom, but, but typically, Puerto I mean, I have, I don't have FOMO generally. That's probably one of the few times I do. <laughs> It's nice to hear. Um, on 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 my side, what I really try to do is screen for it when we add people to the team. You know, um, what I look for, and I wouldn't say it's a disqualifier if you don't have this, but I certainly pay attention to it. I look for people who have succeeded in a self-directed virtual capacity in the past. Um, it is sometimes a harder adjustment, not impossible, but a harder adjustment for somebody to come to our team, which is all senior people, all virtual, and nobody's going to hold your hand. If you've come from a corporate environment or even a large agency environment where everybody's kind of, you know, cheek to jowl in the, in the cubicle farm and there's lots and lots of meetings and progress meetings and, and daily meetings and things like that. Um, we just don't want to spend time on that kind of thing. So, so we can be a little bit of an abrupt, um, change in work style. So I, I try to screen for it now. Uh, and it's, it's worked out pretty well. You are one of the hardest working people I know with everything no, that you, you take on. Um, I want, you know, in, in, in years past, especially when, you know, you are, uh, out there speaking and on stage, but also running the agency and producing content and, 
you know, and, 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 um, and, and I'm, I know this, this must be uh, an interesting time for you as you're looking at now, what are the, what do these shifts mean as they move forward and, and kind of leaning into maybe a little bit of time off. Maybe I make up in my head that, you know, there's less, but there's more at the same time and there's possibilities. What's, what are you seeing? First of all, thank you. But I should say that, um, well, yeah, you know, I, I was taught to, to, to work hard. And I think, um, most entrepreneurs are sort of biased that way. Yeah. I have a truly exceptional and extraordinary team who works harder than I do. Um, and, and they don't get almost any of the credit. You know, there's a whole squad at Convince and Convert. It's not just me and they're out there, um, busting it every day. So, so that's a lot of what you actually see that looks like me and isn't me. That being said, it's weird, you know, to go from some, to go from 200 days on the road for 10 years. And really for me, it's actually longer because before I started speaking aggressively, I used to, for six years, I worked in Phoenix, but I lived in Flagstaff, Arizona in the mountains. And so I'd drive down Monday morning and I was in Phoenix for two, three days and I'd come back like Thursdays. And I did that for six years. And so that combined with speaking, it was like 16 or 17 years in a row that I was on the road for 200 days or more. And now I'm on the road zero days a year, <laughs> which is a very, uh, you know, at first it was really weird. Like my wife said, I was like a caged animal, right? It just like, it was a very, it, it just felt strange um, to be home. And I think it was strange for her to have me home. Certainly. But I got to tell you, um, I am happier now than I have been in 15 years. You don't realize, at least, well, I should say this. I don't want to make this a categorical statement. I did not realize how stressed out all of that travel and going from one event to another event to another event. I didn't realize how stressed out that was making me until I stopped doing it because I never stopped in the past, right? The, the, the longest number of days I had been off the road consecutively. Uh, since 2003 was 22 days. It was the longest I'd ever been off the road. And and now I've been off the road, you know, every day since March, whatever. Uh, and and it's, it's really liberating and freeing. Um, I don't miss it at all. You know, a lot of people who are speakers and, and, and things like that say they miss the crowds and the energy of the crowds, and I don't at all. Um, I've had enough of that in my career, uh, and I can get just as much satisfaction out of doing this or doing a webinar or having a cool client meeting with three people. I don't need to stand in a ballroom and have 5,000 people look at me. Um, so I've already told my agent, like, I'll go back. It's like, I'm never going to do live events. I will, but I'm going to do them really selectively. And, and I would love to be the guy who mostly does virtual because I'm good at it and I like it. Um, and, and I know how to, to connect with audiences in that format. And for me and my relationship with myself and my team and my family and my friends and my community, at some level, this pandemic's the best thing ever happened. Mm. Wow. Which is uh, freaky to say, right? It's almost it, embarrassing to say that, you know, you're like, Hey, everybody's, all these people have lost their lives and their businesses and, and, and their freedom, um, and and you know, I don't want people to misconstrue this. I'm certainly not pro-pandemic, uh, but that kind of fundamental change in your lifestyle um, can bring with it 
some benefits. And that's certainly the way that I've chosen to look at it. This podcast is brought to you by Penji. Penji is an unlimited graphic service that connects you with the top 2% of graphic designers in the world. Get the creative output of an internal design team without the overhead cost. Receive custom design projects from logos to flyers, from digital print, and even UI UX. I know because I've used them. They're perfect for for graphic design service if you're the person that's either doing all the graphic design yourself or maybe you have an internal team that's just too busy and you need to outsource some of it. I've used them in creating our latest project, a 42-page ebook on productivity for coaches and consultants. It turned out fantastic. I've been very impressed with the overall communication and delivery. And what's great about Penji is that you're not just working with one designer's skill or style. Your team's skills can be treated like a design buffet. You can request a logo, custom illustrations, and even a website design all under one plan. This is because I need that level of flexibility and it's hard to find that by hiring a freelancer online. And not to mention the longer you work with Penji, the more they learn about your style and the brands you work with. Because you're a listener of Humanly Possible, the podcast, you get 15% off your first month. The process is simple. Before you sign up, enter the code H2H15. That's H number 2H15. And once you're in, submit your brief for the first project. I recommend submitting clear details so your brief is totally understandable and add visual examples so the team can see your style and knows exactly what you're looking for. Need a few edits? You can make revisions directly on the platform. Projects are always delivered in under 48 hours. And overall, I was super impressed with the process that it ended up giving me more time throughout my day. I felt confident that Penji was going to get it right and I didn't have to micromanage. So head over to penji.co and use the code H2H15 today for a better way to outsource your graphic design. Again, that's penji.co and use the code H2H15. Uh, you're not alone. I'm, I'm in that same group. Now I didn't travel in the last few years like you did or have, but, um, it's because you're smart. (laughs) (laughs) So you have this podcast. (laughs) (laughs) But I certainly, uh, there is, you know, you're right. There's something to be said about just staying put and looking around what you have right when, right where you have it. Uh, and seeing opportunity that exists right where you have it. Um, I'm also curious, uh, last thing I wanted to talk about was just, just the opportunities that are out there. Um, you know, you spent a good portion of your career in social media, uh, digital marketing, marketing, um, customer service, um, experience, uh, a lot of great topics. This has created a new something. Maybe we don't even know yet. Um, but the way that this rolls out for, I mean, look at what social media ha- happened in social media around politics this year, um, last few years. I mean, things are changing. Do you have, do you know what kinds of shifts you think are coming in, in any or all forms, any predictions, any thoughts? It's going to be interesting to see on the social media side what the consumption patterns are post election. So many people have cooled on portions of social, mostly Facebook, because of the rancor. They're primarily rooted in political division. Um, I don't know if that's going to be better or worse um, post-election. And if you're going to see some changes to those consumption patterns, I'm, I'm not certain. Um, 
I'll be fascinated to see how that looks. For me, from a business perspective, the, the biggest change is that the pandemic has fundamentally rearranged how consumers make decisions about what to buy and from whom. The same way that I'm making different decisions now because I'm not on the road all the time, people are making different decisions about to whom they give their money. Some really interesting research uh, from Podium found that more than, I think it's 54% of consumers have made a purchase from a business for the first time since the pandemic, right? It's a different vendor, if you will. Could be haircut, could be whatever. And 90% of those people plan to stay with this new provider. And my interpretation of that is that your customers, my customers, everybody's customers are more willing than they would have been pre-pandemic to change horses, right? So their loyalty to you is potentially imperiled by the fact that they look at the world differently and they make decisions based on a different stack ranking of, of criteria, right? So for example, physical safety uh, was probably not in most people's top three when they were going to choose a restaurant. And now it assuredly is. And that is just one example of a trend that I think impacts us all. So the bad news is that your customer loyalty isn't as good as you think it is. The good news is neither is your competitors. So what I've been telling people a lot, and this is the thing that's really got me thinking, Brian, is that, yeah, all of this is terrible. Like, we can stipulate to that. But I believe this pandemic is quite literally the single greatest opportunity you will probably ever have in your business career to grow your business. You'll probably never get a chance like this again. You won't have a circumstance where every consumer all at once decides to make different decisions because the whole world around them has changed. Uh, that just isn't going to happen very often. Um, and and that's why in the in the work that I'm doing as a consultant and as a speaker, I'm beseeching organizations to to get out of this mindset of let's just hang on and let's just wait it out and let's just kind of Let's just see what happens. Because meanwhile, your competitors are making changes to their products, to their customer experience, to their payment processes, to everything else. And, and they're going to start chipping away at, at your existing customer base. And there's going to be a new breed of winners and a new breed of losers. Uh, and the sooner you figure that out, the sooner you're going to be on the side of the foreman of the ladder. I love that. Uh, yeah, there's opportunity, uh, you know, in every, it's kind of ironic in, in every recession or depression is exactly when myself or Courtney and myself have started a business. Uh, we didn't realize it until now that those are the opportunities because the resources and the amount of help that people are willing to give is much greater in a depression or recession. I mean, we're all here for each other. Community is at an all-time high right now. Uh, groups on Facebook are skyrocketing uh, because of this. Now, if I'm curious to see where that goes, but at least right now, community is is what we all want and connection. Um, man, I couldn't agree more. That's awesome. Um, well, Jay, I I would love to just leave off with one final thought, one thing. Um, what is the uh, one shift that you're looking on at making in the next uh, year, two years for yourself? I think I need to make a shift and figure out what I want the next 10 years to look like. Like You've already made that shift. I, I really admire your courage and your execution and your ability to kind of fundamentally change what you're about. Um, 
And it's, it's really extraordinary to see from the outside. I need to eventually do the same thing. Like, you know, I'm too old for this shit. Like I can't, I can't, you know, I can't, I can't do all of this, as you said, forever, nor do I want to. Um, But one thing I've learned in my long career is, you know, running away from something is a bad idea, right? You got to run towards something. And so what I have to figure out and the shift I have to make is what, what, what relationship do I want to have with my work, with my community, with my quote unquote fans, with my team, with my family, with my community? You know, what, 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 what do I want, um, for the next decade? And then I just need to go do it. Um, so I'm not quite there yet. And it's tricky because you don't know exactly what the world is going to be in the next 12 to 24 months. And so I'm, you know, I, I'm old enough now, which I guess maybe comes with some degree of wisdom, which is a criteria that I never actually believed existed anymore. Or in the past, I'm like, wisdom is overrated. Now I'm like, oh yeah, no, it's not overrated. Uh, <laughs> that's the, that's the, uh, the beauty of wisdom is that you realize how important wisdom is. Uh, but I, I, the one area where I do want to just sort of wait it out and see what happens is this, right? I don't want to make a shift and be like, okay, for the next decade, I'm going to do this. Like I'm, I'm going to only give speeches. I don't know, whatever. Just making things up. Uh, this is not the time to make that kind of shift, but it is the time to identify the shift needs to be made. And that's kind of where I'm at. That's fantastic. I, I, uh, I agree. Cause who knows what can happen in a matter of six months, the whole world changed. Uh, yeah. We, we I'm ready to start a tequila bar, but I just wonder if it's the right time. Uh, yeah, well, uh, that's another podcast that I would love to have you on. And I just need to start the podcast. Maybe we should co-host it on just tequila. It's a sipping I love podcast. It. I love it. I'm actually doing a series of webinars called Marketing and Margaritas with uh, Terminus. Uh, and it's their, their happy hour, their webinars, you know, at happy hour instead of during the middle of the day as is custom. Uh, and, uh, and, and so we do like 10 minutes of content and then tequila and agave trivia and then margarita recipes. It's, it's super fun. Um, yeah, it's a good time. Oh, see, I love it. All these little ways that people are reinventing and still connecting. Well, thanks, Jar, Jay, Jay, Bear. How are you doing? Um, thanks for being on the show and for sharing of yourself and creating, uh, you know, some time to spend here with me on, uh, on, on what's next for you. Really appreciate it. An absolute, absolute pleasure. Really appreciate the opportunity. Great to talk to you. Thank you so much for joining us this week. If you love this episode, please subscribe. We love having subscribers just like you. Download a few more episodes. And if you feel moved, we would so appreciate a review. I'd love to also hear your key takeaway. What impacted you from this episode? You can tweet me your answer and reach out on Twitter at Brian Kramer. That's Brian with a Y, Kramer with a K. And definitely be sure to join us in our Facebook group. We have just under 3,000 humans just like you and me looking to connect even more imperfectly. Until next time.